Welcome to Marxist Voice, bringing you ideas and analysis from Socialist Appeal, the Marxist voice of labour and youth. For regular updates, subscribe to our podcast through SoundCloud, iTunes or any major podcast provider or visit www.socialist.net. Welcome everyone, good morning to this uh, discussion on uh, Latin America. It's very timely. I don't know if anyone's been watching the, the news in the last few hours, but yesterday, you won't see it on the BBC or on The Guardian, but uh, yesterday there was a demonstration in Santiago de Chile with over 1.2 million people against the government and approximately perhaps another half a million or another million people demonstrated in other cities and towns across the country. Uh, you have to take into account that uh, Chile is a small country in terms of uh, population. I think it has about 17 million inhabitants. So we're talking about over 10% of the total population being on the streets. Also, this is not any demonstration. This is a demonstration that takes place after a week of militarization of the country, where the government has used the national security law for the first time since the end of the, of the Pinochet dictatorship, where there has been a curfew in the main cities of the country since last uh, Saturday night, Friday night last uh, week, and where the police has shot dead about 20 people in the last uh, week. There's been more than 2,000 people uh, arrested. And nevertheless, 1.2 million people came out to a demonstration that was uh, built up for as the largest demonstration in Chile, and it was. This is the largest demonstration in Chilean history, even bigger than the 1988 closing rally for the No campaign uh, against the, the Pinochet referendum in 1988, which had a million people at that, at that time. So what we, are, what we are witnessing in Latin America is not normal events. This is not just a few uh, protests against particular measure taken by a government. What we are witnessing in the, last, in the last few weeks, really, is an insurrectionary wave. It's a situation in which uh, people take uh, direct action. We're talking about hundreds of thousands, millions of uh, people coming onto the streets. They are not cowed by repression, and there has been repression in Ecuador and in Chile. Uh, uh, Ten people were killed in, uh, in Ecuador in the, in the protest. Twenty people already have been killed, according to official figures in Chile. Thousands have been uh, arrested, injured detained, tortured. These are demonstrations that are not just about single issue questions, but they challenge the whole of the status uh, quo. They put the governments against the ropes. And in both cases, in Ecuador and, uh, and Chile, which I will deal in more detail, there are elements of dual power. That is, the masses on the streets start to organize their own committees, take their own decisions, and challenge the monopoly of violence on the part of the bourgeois state. And, uh, and this is not happening in one country or in two countries. It's happening in, in a country after another. 
So it's not just an isolated event that's got to do with, with the particularities of Chile or the particularities of, uh, of uh, Ecuador. It's a, it's a continental uh, wave. You could say, you could trace it back to the months of uh, June and July, where there was a huge mass movement in Puerto Rico, which whether we like it or not is still US uh, soil, US territory. A huge mass movement which started also accidentally. What sparked that movement was some, the, the leaking of some uh, WhatsApp conversations between the governor and his, and his immediate clique. And people were very angry at what they heard, how, how the governor uh, dismissed everyone in the, in the country. And, and they came out on the streets. They started protesting. And for four or five weeks, they were on the streets. The protests were growing. Repression was not stopping them. Finally, they forced the resignation of the governor. These movements have achieved also partial, at least, victories. In Haiti, the poorest country in the Western Hemisphere, we have seen a mass movement, or, or rather like the third wave of a mass movement, which has now lasted for six weeks up until this day, with mass demonstrations, the police shooting people on the streets, a movement which is against corruption, against inequality, the economic policies of the government, which is considered to be illegitimate, is, is a puppet government of the, of the United States and, and the people in Haiti are not stopping there on the streets trying to uh, overthrow that uh, government. In Ecuador, at the beginning of this uh, month, in Chile now, but also in Honduras, where at the beginning of this uh, week, the brother of the president was indicted in a U.S. court for, on, on charges of narco-trafficking. And these uh, allegations involve his brother, who is the president, illegitimate president of uh, Honduras, elected in a rigged election uh, after a military coup backed by the United States in 2009. And as, as of this week, at the beginning of this week, the, the joint opposition forces have called for permanent mobilization until the overthrow of the, of the regime. And the people are on the streets. In Colombia, there's also been the build-up of a movement against cuts in education budget. There were huge demonstrations of university students, and also gen more generally against the proposed uh, counter-reform of the labor laws. There was a big day of action last week. And, uh, and there, is a, there is a national strike being called for the 21st of November, if I'm not, if I'm not wrong. So it's not just one country, as I was saying. It's, it's, a, it's one country after another. This is not just a, a casual uh, accident. It's a, it's a trend. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a generalized feature. And of course, if you, if you are here, this week you will hear also about other countries where similar things are, are happening around the world. In uh, Sudan, in Algeria earlier this year, continuing uh, now in uh, Hong Kong, in, uh, in, uh, in Catalonia. A whole number of countries where there's been eruptions of mass movements with different uh, characteristics, in some cases very confused uh, leadership, but, but the main feature is the masses are taking direct action on the streets. They're not cowed by repression. They are led by the youngest uh, of the young. In the case of Chile, secondary high, high school uh, students started this uh, movement. I will go uh, 
more in detail about the general implications of this, but I think it's important to go in, into the details of these uh, movements to try to understand their scope. None of this, or most of this, has not been reported in the mainstream capitalist uh, media for good reason. They don't want people to take uh, notice and, and follow, follow the example. In Ecuador, we had on the 2nd of October, the government of Lenin uh, Moreno, unfortunate uh, name. The government of uh, Moreno introduced, announced a package of IMF-inspired measures. He signed a, a letter of intent with the International Monetary Fund. And we all know this story. We've heard it before. The aim is to cut the budget uh, deficit, to cut the national uh, debt, build the reserves, the foreign reserves of the country, a country whose, econo whose economy has been dollarized uh, for now uh, nearly 20 years. And of course, the way to do this is, is to cut on social spending, take money from the poor and the workers, and uh, give it to the wealthy, give it to the bankers, the capitalists, the banana plantation owners that dominate the economy, and, and so on. Uh, amongst these measures, but this was only one of them, was the lifting of subsidies on fuel, which meant an immediate overnight increase in the price of gasoline by 70% and the price of uh, fuel by over 100%. Uh, percent. But there were a lot of other measures. There were 13 economic measures, nine counter-reform of the labor law measures, including uh, tax breaks for the rich, uh, the lowering of import duty, cuts in public sector wages by 20%, uh, cuts in holidays for public sector workers from 30 days a year to 15 days a year, a special tax on public sector workers, who are supposed to be privileged, of one day's wages a month, uh, and general assault on uh, wages conditions, the deregularization of the labor market, the introduction of casual uh, labor across the, the board, uh, 23,000 layoffs in the, in the public sector. This is a massive uh, program. But the first measure that was already introduced, some of this had to go through parliament, but the first measure that was introduced was the lifting of subsidies on fuel. And this immediately, this was on the 2nd of October. On the same day, there were already protests in the capital, uh, Quito. You have to remember that this government of Lenin Moreno was elected only two years ago on the basis of being the continuation or, or the inheritor of the government of Rafael Correa, a progressive government that had carried out many, um, many progressive reforms over a 10-year period. But immediately, he turned against his uh, mentor. He made an agreement with the United States, which included, incidentally, and very important for us here in, in Britain, the handing over of uh, Assange, who was, uh, uh, was uh, in, in uh, refuge in the, in the Ecuadorian embassy in London, to the UK authorities, in effect, to the US uh, authorities. And, uh, and then the, the, the signing of this letter of intent with the IMF in exchange for a 10 billion US dollars uh, loan from international financial institutions for the, for the Ecuadorian economy. 
the protest uh, started and with, with a national stoppage, road blockades across the country, uh, the, the transport uh, owners paralyzing the country. And then two days later, the government decided to use repression. It started by, uh, uh, Moreno started by introducing the state of emergency and a curfew in the, in the capital. None of that stopped the movement. If anything, the movement grew bigger in, in the face of this provocation. The CONAIE, the National Organization of uh, Indigenous uh, Peoples, declared their own state of emergency. They said, in the territories that we control, there's a state of emergency. Any agents of the law that come in will be arrested. This is a challenge to the monopoly of violence on the part of the state. And, they, and they not, we're not just talking, they did it. In, in a place near Cotopaxi, where there's a big volcano, they uh, arrested 47 members of a special uh, rapid intervention unit of the, of the Ecuadorian army. And they arrested them, and they didn't want to let them go. Finally, after many negotiations, they were released. Only then, to be arrested by a nearby community who wasn't part of this uh, deal to release them. <laughs> when the government, very interestingly, when the government sent the army on the streets and they sent them to different uh, regions in the country to uh, remove the road blockades, the peasants, the workers, the indigenous people that were in these blockades argued with the, with the soldiers. They said, you are also sons of the, of the people. You also come from the people. Don't shoot at your own uh, brothers and sisters. And in many cases, the, the, the soldiers fraternized with the, with the protesters. They downed uh, arms, and they escorted these uh, peasant uh, protesters onto the capital. They marched on the capital by tens of thousands. Nothing could stop the, the movement. The, the demonstrators in the capital marched on the, on the presidential uh, palace. And the government had to flee the capital. Uh, the government of Lenin Moreno had, had prepared a press conference. The, the journalists were quickly rounded up, evacuated from the palace, and the, the government had to flee in a helicopter to Guayaquil, co coastal uh, uh, city. This is amazing uh, since this is an insurrection. It's not just a protest movement, it's an insurrection. Uh, they also had to close down the national uh, parliament. On October the 9th, the week after, there was a general strike, which had mass following throughout the country. On October the 10th, there was a, there was a short-lived attempt to take over the national assembly by the protesters and install their own uh, parliament. This is a direct challenge to bourgeois uh, rule. On the 11th of October, there was the most extraordinary sins. I have to tell you, I was in the office watching this being broadcast uh, live, and I was shouting at everyone, look at this, this is amazing. There was a huge demonstration after there had been massive repression, seven people had already been killed. There was a huge mass assembly in a place called the Agora of the Casa de Cultura in uh, Quito. Must have been 3,000 people, representatives of the, of the movement. And on the stage, there were the leaders of the movement, together with nine police officers they had captured, and uh, disarmed, they forced them to take the boots off, to take the weapons off, the, the bulletproof vests, and they threatened to put them at the front of the demonstration with the aim of marching onto the presidential uh, palace. They also forced the journalists present to broadcast this uh, assembly live on all TV channels, which had been up until that time <coughs> 
up until that time, it's been blocking the, the movement and, and lying and, and distorting its real, uh, its real content. This is, this is uh, workers' power. This is the establishment of an alternative source of power. It's not only that uh, they were protesting and demanding something from the government, they were taking the law into their own hands. And this is very uh, dangerous. In fact, now, after an agreement has been reached, the people have been demobilized, the government's prosecuting them for these very reasons. The, 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 the movement set up its own indigenous and popular guard, i.e. people with uh, shields armed with sticks and stones and whatever they could uh, find in order to protect the demonstrations in the clashes with the, with, the, with the police. They also made an open appeal to the army not to obey the orders of the government. They're now being, they're being put on trial for sedition. Of course, it is uh, uh, sedition, but uh, the, this, uh, these charges are not, gonna, are not gonna go through, I don't think, because they, they'll provoke another, another explosion. And then when everyone in this assembly was shouting, uh, and they also demanded that the government release the bodies of the people who had been killed. The government were denying anyone had been killed, but the people knew. So they went onto the, onto the medical examiner's uh, office. They got the bodies. They, they brought the bodies into the assembly uh, on the shoulders of some of the police officers that had been uh, uh, detained, shall we say. Uh, and they paid homage to, to them. And everyone in that assembly was shouting, fuera Moreno, fuera, down with uh, Moreno. And, and they could have done it. But the leadership of the movement, the leaders of the, of the Konaye, the leaders of the peasant uh, uh, indigenous uh, uh, movement, which were at, at the forefront of this uh, movement, they didn't have a perspective for power. And so they agreed on the day after to have talks with the government uh, withdrawing some of the conditions they had uh, put previously, the government decided to uh, withdraw the decree lifting fuel uh, subsidies, which was the, one of the sparks of the, of the movement. And the leaders of the movement agreed to, to call on people to go back home. So this is the situation we have now in, uh, in Ecuador. They could have taken power if at that point Instead of saying, yeah, we're going to talk to the government, the leaders of the movement, they will have said, no, we're going to set up a people's assembly, an assembly of the people, which they talked about. An assembly of the people is going to be the only power in this country, and we're going to take the decisions. They could have challenged who rules the country. That's, that's what was posed at that time. This is why we say these are insurrectionary, revolutionary events. This is not just a protest uh, movement, which didn't go all the way for the lack of a clear leadership. But it went quite, quite a long way along this, this uh, path. And they managed to uh, achieve the withdrawal of the decree. But the rest of the measures are still in the letter of intent, and they're going to be passed through parliament soon. Uh, and this is going to provoke another explosion of the, of the movement. Already the peasant leaders have withdrawn from the negotiations. They're saying the government is not acting in good faith, is persecuting and uh, arresting peasant uh, leaders, and so on. And uh, what, what is at stake in, uh, in, in uh, Ecuador, really, is not one policy, or as some say, we need a change in the model of economic uh, development. No, no, what we need is the overthrow of capitalism. This is capitalism in crisis, and there's no other way capitalism in crisis is going to act in these uh, circumstances. But what we've seen 
in Ecuador in the last uh, few weeks is the development of a revolutionary situation. One, which was not successful for the lack of a clear uh, leadership. The government was clearly against the ropes. The first thing the, that Moreno did after getting the people to back down was to remove the chief of the joint command of the armed forces. He was clearly not sure that the army was going to act on his in instructions during the, during the movement. The second, uh, and in, in Ecuador, the masses have a proud tradition of overthrowing uh, governments. In 97, they uh, overthrew the government, 1997, they overthrew the government of Abdallah Bukaram. In uh, 2000, they overthrew the, the government of Jamil Mahuat. In 2005, they defeated the government of uh, Lucio Gutierrez. And now they could have overthrown this uh, government. But it's not just a question of overthrowing a government, but overthrowing the capitalist system. This is, this is the main task of the day in Ecuador, as it is in other countries. Chile, the movement also started with an accidental question. On the 6th of October, the government introduced a rise in uh, transport fares, which are already very high for, for a person on the minimum wage. Transport in uh, Santiago represents 13.8% of the monthly uh, wage. It's a lot of money. Uh, people in London will be familiar with the, with the, with the feeling. Uh, and this immediately provoked a movement of school students, secundarios. They started with what they call evasiones, that is uh, uh, mass jumping over the, <laughs> the, the barriers not paying the tickets, and they were joined, soon they were joined by the rest of the population who thought this was a very good uh, idea if the students are taking the initiative, we were also jumping uh, over. The, the government had an extremely provocative uh, attitude. At the, at the beginning, one of the ministers said, well, if people uh, think it's very expensive, they can, they can wake up a little bit earlier because there's cheaper fares er earlier in the, in the morning. Just basically saying people were, people were lazy, couldn't, couldn't get up in the morning. Uh, there was mass demonstrations. This, this then led to a, a day in which mass movement had been called mass. Uh, this is not just individual actions. This is an organized movement without a clear leadership, but a mass movement in the whole of the capital. On the, on the 18th of October, last Friday, there were mass demonstrations outside uh, metro stations. And the government dec decreed the closing down of the metro system for the, for the weekend. People couldn't even come back to the, to the, to the places of uh, residence. And there was burning of the stations. The government declared the state of emergency, the militarization of the country, and a curfew. When people couldn't even really come back to their homes because there was no uh, transportation. On the same day, President uh, Piñera, uh, a right uh, winger, he was seen and he posted pictures on Instagram of himself with his uh, son having uh, dinner or lunch, can't remember, in a, in a very upmarket uh, pizzeria in the richest neighborhood in, uh, in, uh, in the capital. Another provocation, completely out of touch with the mood of the people and, and saying things like, we are facing, what do you say? We are facing a very powerful enemy. We are at war. Uh, this is a bunch of uh, radicals, violent vandals. They're manipulated by Maduro and uh, Castro. 
uh, the FARC guerrillas in Colombia are involved, and, uh, and this kind of uh, language, which was also used in Ecuador, by, by the way. It's typical, the ruling class can't see the processes that are going on in front of their noses. They think it's outside agitators, can't be in any other way. But this was a movement now that spread nationally to other places where there had not been a fair increase. There were mass demonstrations against repression, and people started adopting the slogan, it's no, 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 no es por 30 pesos, es por 30 años. It's, it's not about 30 peso increase in the fair, it's about 30 years. 30 years of what? Chile had been an experiment in uh, unbridled market economics. Some people call it a neoliberal experiment. So, no, I don't like to use this word, neoliberal, because it, it implies that there is some other kind of, of model. No, this is capitalism uh, at its, its most brutal. This is what capitalism looks like when there's no controls, no regulations. The privatization of uh, the water service, the privatization of pensions, the complete deregulation of the labor, of the labor market, the privatization of everything that's not, that's not bolted to the, to the ground, a, a policy that created a society which is extremely unequal. Uh, Chile has a per capita GDP of $23,000, which is not bad. It is, it's one of the biggest, the, 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 the highest in, in uh, Latin America. At the same time, it's one of the most unequal societies in uh, Latin America. The, the pensioners earn about half of the minimum uh, uh, wage, which is already very uh, uh, low in comparison to prices. Prices are almost like European uh, prices in, uh, in Chile. The distribution of wealth, this is the second most unequal uh, country in the OECD. 0.1%, not 1%, but 0.1% of the richest in the country own 20% of the wealth, while the 50% poorest control only 2%. This is, this is what's uh, driven this mass uh, uh, movement, this inequality. And what was, what was known as the, Latin, the oasis of Latin America, where there were no movements, nothing was happening, this was already not true. There have been very big movements in the last few years in, in Chile. The students, the dock workers, the copper miners, uh, the women, uh, the youth, everyone, the, the movement against the private pension system, everything. There's been massive movements over the last uh, few years building up into this massive social explosion, which was only aggravated by uh, uh, repression. On the, on the 21st, there was a spontaneous call Monday after the repression of the weekend where people were already being killed Scenes of the army on the streets in a country like Chile, which has a very recent memory of the, of the Pinochet dictatorship. And these soldiers on the streets, they were shooting at people randomly for no reason. A person was arrested. He was then shot on the, on the leg. Pe uh, um, reports started emerging of torture. For instance, in the Baquedano metro station, uh, which was converted into a detention center. The, the allegations that torture was carried out uh, there. People were uh, restrained with uh, plastic restraints, beaten up. Uh, there was threats of, uh, of sexual violence against uh, detained women. About 10% of all those detained, and there's been about 3,000 uh, arrests, are underage people, uh, young uh, uh, men and women as part of this uh, movement. There was another case in the Peñaloden 
uh, 43rd police station of the Carabineros, where there's, a, there's an allegation that people were tied by the, by the wrists onto uh, an antenna, a metallic antenna, in the, in the station and led to, to hang from, from there for, for hours. And despite this, uh, people were only getting angrier and angrier. And on the Monday, there was a spontaneous call. Monday the 21st, there was a spontaneous call for a general strike. The Dockers put themselves at the forefront of the movement. They declared paralyzation of uh, work from Monday. And then finally, all the official organizations were forced to, to put themselves at the front of the movement, movement that they did not control, they had not called for, and they have no uh, uh, authority over, but they called for a two-day general strike on uh, Wednesday and Thursday, which was again massive. Remember that all of this is happening while the army is on the streets, but young people are surrounding the soldiers, chanting slogans, talking to them. This has already had an impact, even, even in an army like that of uh, Chile, it's had an impact. There's one soldier whose name is David Veloso, but David Veloso Codocedo, who was stationed in Antofagasta, far from the capital. He was told he was going to be moved to Santiago, and he refused. He's now been, he's now, <coughs> sorry, he's now been uh, uh, arrested. And this is just an indication of what might be going on through the minds of these, uh, of these uh, soldiers. Finally, yesterday, there was this demonstration, the largest demonstration in, in history. In Valparaiso, there was also a large demonstration. National Congress, which is based in Valparaiso, had to be evacuated because the, the protesters were threatening to take it uh, over. And in the meantime, during this week and last week, this movement has spread throughout the country and to every single section of society, not just the poor working class areas, but also the middle class and even some of the upper class uh, areas, there's been protests. There's been some attempts by the far right to come out, but they've been uh, swiftly dealt with. Yesterday there was uh, a call for a right wing demonstration. They had to call it off. Uh, a few days earlier, uh, some uh, fascists beat up one uh, protester, but they were, they were beaten up so hard in uh, Maipu, they, uh, they won't have uh, any inclination to come out again very soon. In the meantime, people have been setting up cabildos, like open uh, meetings, territorial assemblies, that these uh, organisms that emerge in any revolutionary uh, situation, like they did in Russia in 1917, the Soviets, uh, which have been starting to coordinate this uh, uh, movement. Now, yesterday was the peak of the movement so far. But it's difficult to know what's going to happen uh, next. Because what, what people are saying now, in fact, yesterday, what people were saying is, Yakayo, Yakayo, he's already fallen, referring to Piñera. But in reality, the government is against the ropes. There's reports that uh, the armed forces are overwhelmed. They can't deal with a movement like uh, this. Uh, there's reports that he attempted a ministerial reshuffle, but nobody wanted to take the position. No, no, no surprise. So at this time, if there was a revolutionary leadership, what will they say? They will call for a national coordination, national assembly of delegates from the cabildos, from the territorial assemblies, to meet and to take power, or to challenge for, for power, at least. 
And what will be the program? The program will be the renationalization of all privatized utilities, the renationalization of COPA, the renationalization of the, the nationalization of the banks, the abolition of private pension system, uh, free health care, free education, free uh, state pensions for, for all, uh, program of uh, socialism, which will now connect with the, with the feelings of millions of people in uh, Chile who've had enough. However, this leadership doesn't exist, and therefore the movement might go down, might exhaust its own uh, uh, strength at some point. Uh, there is a lot of talk. On the 22nd, early this week, the Financial Times, mouthpiece of the, of the ruling class, had an editorial demanding a ministerial reshuffle and that the government should invest masses of money into social uh, programs. Uh, the, what the government had announced at that time was not, nowhere near enough and that they had to introduce uh, much more, many more concessions to the movement in order to calm people uh, down. But at this point, uh, it's a situation where repression doesn't work, concessions don't work, but the movement is limited by, uh, is limited by the fact that it doesn't have a revolutionary leadership. Some people have talked in, uh, in uh, Chile about a constituent uh, assembly, this uh, social unity, the alliance of all the student trade union organizations that called the general strike this week, 48-hour general strike, they talk about we need a constituent assembly to change the model of economic, uh, uh, the economic model of Chile. But in reality, this is a trap because at some point, faced with revolutionary overthrow, the government might decide to go for some sort of constituent uh, assembly. And a constituent assembly will be just a, an election of people to a body, like a bourgeois parliament, to decide about something. They have no control over it. It's true that in Chile, the, consti the constitution still has many elements of the old uh, Pinochet era, the dictatorship constitution. It's an extremely undemocratic constitution from a bourgeois point of view. But the question is not just to make a, a more democratic constitution. This is not what people need. What people need is control over the natural resources and a fundamental change in the balance of power and, and property over the, uh, over the uh, economy. So that's, that's a possible trap. When people in the streets say, yes, we want to constitute an assembly, what they mean is we want a fundamental change of everything. But when the ruling class might constitute an assembly, what they want is something completely different. Let's channel this into const safe constitutional uh, uh, channels. For a constituent assembly that might take place in a few months' time when the, when the people are no longer on the streets, etc. It's a trap. It's a dangerous uh, trap. And we should say, instead of a constituent assembly called by the same uh, regime in order to, to clean its uh, face, what we want is, a, is an assembly of the working uh, people. That's what we want, a revolutionary assembly to take over uh, the, the control of the, of the country. Yesterday, Piñera uh, tweeted something just unbelievable after the demonstration, which was against Piñera. He said, the mass joyous and peaceful march today where Chileans are demanding a fairer and more solidarity Chile opens great ways of future and hope. We have all heard the message. We have all changed with unity and with the help of God. We will go along this path towards a better Chile for all. <laughs> this is a demonstration against him, right? 
But you can see the outlines of what might happen in the next few days. There'll probably be a, a ministerial reshuffle if they can get one. Even, even senators from RN, the far right party directly linked to, uh, to the dictator, they are asking for a constituent uh, assembly. There might be a call for negotiations. Yesterday, some leaders were called to the Minister of whatever social development's uh, office for talks. There'll be national unity. There'll be, uh, there'll be a change in economic policy. And they will try to divert or, or, or tire out this movement along safe constitutional lines. And it is possible that they will succeed, because the movement at this particular time has no leadership. But out of this movement, lessons will be learned. People will be learning uh, very uh, uh, interesting uh, lessons. And if there was a revolutionary uh, leadership at this point, even, even a small one, they could grow in leaps and bounds. What we see is, in reality, uh, the limitations of movements without a clear leadership. What's lacking in these movements is, is that, a revolutionary leadership that can take them to victory. But in any case, all revolutions have like dress rehearsals, if you, if you want. Russia had two, 1905, February 17. The difference is that in, in, uh, in these countries, these dress rehearsals were used to build a revolutionary leadership that then could uh, prepare for the taking of power. This is the main task of the day. Not only in Ecuador and Chile, where movements have already started, but everywhere. And in our case, particularly in, in Britain, where, where these big events, which will take place in Britain uh, too, have not yet uh, fully developed. My last point, and I'll finish on this. For, for years now, for maybe like the last three years, we have been subjected to a barrage of propaganda on the part of the bourgeois media, Jorge Castaneda writing in the, in the New York Times, uh, on the part of cynical and demoralized skeptic, so-called left academics and uh, commentators, and I'll mention one, Mike Gonzalez, member of the, of the British SWP, who's just uh, very untimely written a book called The Ebb of the Pink Tide in Latin America. <laughs> the setbacks, setbacks for the left. A barrage of propaganda saying what we see in, in uh, Latin America is a conservative wave. The masses have moved to the right, the left governments have failed, and uh, what we see is a conservative way, the coming to power of fascism in uh, Brazil, uh, and so on. And uh, the events in just a few weeks have completely demolished this uh, uh, idea. In reality, what we had in Latin America over the last few years was the realization of the limitations of progressive reformist governments which were in power from 2005 to 2015, approximately, in many Latin American countries, which carried out many social programs, lifted uh, people out of poverty and so on, on the basis of a, of a high-price high cycle in uh, commodities, oil, copper, tin, uh, and other export uh, goods that these countries are based on, were able to carry out these uh, policies without challenging the capitalist system. And therefore, when uh, China started to slow down, which was the main uh, pool for raw materials and sources of energy from this uh, region, these uh, prices have gone down. These countries' economies have been badly hit. 
And uh, therefore, these governments have been overthrown in, in one way or another through elections, constitutional tricks, and so on. That doesn't mean a shift to the right. Most people didn't go from voting for left governments to voting for right governments. In fact, in Ecuador, for instance, they, they, they thought they were voting for a left uh, government. What's happened is that we've seen the limitations of reformism, and this is the main lesson that should be learned. People are not happy with the situation, and people are quite prepared to come out on the streets to defend the rights and conditions against the, the attacks that have, have been unleashed. In, in, uh, in Brazil, we've seen a general strike. In uh, Argentina, we've seen a number of general strikes. And I don't have time to go into all the details. I just concentrated in these two countries, because I, I think these two countries show the future of Latin America to other countries where the process is going in the same uh, direction. What we have is not a conservative wave, wave but a wave of insurrections uh, and potentially revolutionary situations emerging in one country after another. Thank you for tuning in to Marxist Voice, brought to you by Socialist Appeal the Marxist voice of labour and youth. Subscribe or download the podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes or any major podcast provider. Or visit www.socialist.net for all the latest news, analysis and Marxist ideas.